when a Skype call begins, I'm against saying hello. <laughs> because that makes it like a telephone. You know, we're, we're bringing all of the, like, the traditions of the crappy previous generation communication system to the new one. Like, you pick up the phone to say hello, but Skype, it should be like I am. You don't begin every I am conversation with people that you know with, like, a, a greeting or something or a hello. Well, if you're an a- you start an IM conversation with YT, question mark. What does that stand for? You there? You didn't know that? No. If, any, if anyone did that to me, I would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. It's like people saying hello on Skype, but it's worse. Oh, here's worse than YT. Your name with a question mark. That is the worst way to begin an IM conversation. No, disagree. It has to be YT. No, There's your no name other... with a question mark is the worst. Trust me. I've had them all done to me except for <laughs> YT. But if I were to, See? No, because, because, but no, because YT is like, yes, it's terrible, but it's better than Casey. <laughs> like, what? what is the... Yes, you know who your IM is. Casey? Are you there? I mean, it's, it's almost the same as you there, but the Casey, it's like, Casey? Is this Casey? No, it's Would like... I am? Casey, I'm expecting something from you, and I can't believe I'm not getting it. <laughs> do we want to talk about the event, or do we want to just dive straight into the review? Because I'm thinking, let's just say, screw the event, let's talk about the review. I, wait, hold on. There's a lot in the event, though. I, I, I think we should do the event, because it's more timely. Like The review is not going anywhere, and the, the review is part of the event, because one of the things I talk about in the event is Mavericks, and so like I think we should do the event, and I say this... Even though I've only seen half of the event, but like I more or less know what happened. Yeah, I think huh? I think we can fit both. We 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 have a long show. Let, let's just be honest. This is going to be a long show. All right, let's talk about the review. Do you want to cue the uh, piano background music? <laughs> I thought we were starting with the event. We just agreed to do both. Uh, sorry, I, I said review. I meant event. All right. God, I'm tired too. You guys got to get on your game here. I know. I got to put on my game face. Have an extra cup of coffee or whiskey or whatever it is that you two have. I have water. I'm pulling a John for God's sakes. All I have is water. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you need a sprite. Yeah, yeah. you need the extra sugar. That's it. All right, let me let me try this all over again. So why don't we talk about the event? And now, Marco, you can cue the silly piano music. Uh, so what what did you think, John, of the parts that you saw? Well, my first question for both of you is: Did, did either one of you or both of you see the whole event? Yes. We actually live stream, or not live. We we did a no spoilers policy between ourselves at the track that day right. and uh, yesterday. I guess it was right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we uh, we we didn't check Twitter or anything. I didn't even check my email. I, I in fact my phone vibrated in my pocket once. I didn't even check to see the notification. I just didn't care. Like just it can't be anything important. And then in the car on the way back, we uh, da- we'd already pre-subscribed to the keynote podcast on our phones. So that we wouldn't even have to go to Apple's website or find the find the feed, we downloaded the the live the uh, recording of it from the keynote feed uh, on the way back on the drive back to uh, Richmond. So like on on this five hour drive, uh, downloaded the video of it and watched it and streamed it over the car speakers. So yeah, so I didn't see the first two thirds of the video at that point because I happened to be driving at the time. And then underscore didn't see the iPad portion of the video because he was driving afterwards. But I did rewatch the whole thing this evening and finished your entire review and read the blog post about the review. So I did a lot of prep for the podcast that's not supposed to have any prep. Wow. I just want to clarify for the listeners, by the way, when they say they were at the track, they weren't betting on horses. <laughs> in case, yeah, in case anyone suspected that that was the most likely explanation of that phrase from me and Casey. Yeah, you, know, exactly. the, you know what the idle rich do. <laughs> wow. Go to the track, bet on the ponies. Uh, yeah, so we all did see it in some capacity. 
All right, so I'm the only one who missed part of it, and the, and the reason I missed most of it is because as soon as I said it was available today, I had to stop watching, stop listening, and start doing the things I knew I needed to do. All right, now, uh, really quickly to interrupt, were you at home or at work when this was going on? Uh, I was at home. Okay, so you knew enough to plan for the inevitable possibility that you might have a busy afternoon. Yep. Now, so were you like, was it one of those things where you were like, I may or may not work this afternoon? Or did you just say like two weeks or a week ago, I guess, Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to need that off because stuff's going to go crazy. Well, I mean, it it basically worked out to just be a late lunch because uh, like ours actually held the review. They held it until the event was over because that's usually what Apple does in terms of like, you know, uh, things don't go on sale until the event is over, store doesn't come back up, whatever. So So the review was ready to go. Within minutes of everything was ready to go within minutes of them announcing uh, the price and that it was available today. And then it was just a matter of holding it until the event is over and then it goes up. So that's really all it took of my day at that point. And then after work, it was just, you know, the deluge of a million emails, tweets and everything else. And, you know, so it was it was a full day. But the actual publishing, like I was I was well prepared. I had everything ready to go for everything that was announced. I was not surprised by anything. Everything worked as well as could be expected. Maybe in a show or two from now, we can go through the blow-by-blow of all the different moving parts and how it went better this year than last year. But I think that's a, that's more of a meta topic. Now, uh, I don't know if you want to get into this at this moment, but what did you have any of the pricing options already in the review, or did you just have a big blank space? I had something ready to publish, uh, which said the price isn't known. I mean, that's what I pushed up to the iBook store with, with, uh, you know, the, the, the version that was ready to go at any moment that you can say, yes, I can publish this right now. It just, it basically didn't have information about the price. It didn't even, it, it didn't assert that any price was the price it just as we don't know what it is, but I think it's going to be this and blah, blah, blah. And like that version had a graph of the price. And instead of the graph going down to zero for 10.9, it was a light gray line going down to zero with a question mark on it. But the graph still went to zero. Like, that was my guess. But, but the text said, we don't know. And so I had the free version all ready to go. Free, paste, 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 paste. Oh, and then, you know, upload, and there, there it went. All right. So I did a very good job of steering us to the review we didn't want to talk about. So, about the event. I think it was, it was interesting that, was it just me, or did all the speakers seem a little bit sloppier than usual? I completely agree. A lot of people are saying that, and I'm only up to Eddie Q at this point, whose clothing was a little crazy. But but up to that point, they seemed fine. Like, not... I don't think they were off their game as much as everyone said. I think it's not that they were off, because they always stumble over stuff. It was that the the atmosphere in the room, which is hard to tell when you're not there, so we really talked to someone who was actually there, but the atmosphere in the room seemed like... There wasn't any like electricity in terms of excitement about anything, and, and the presenters weren't able to muster enthusiasm about the announcements, and the audience wasn't feeding it back to them, so it was just kind of like going through the motions of announcing things quickly through slides or whatever. But it didn't. It wasn't. I don't blame the people who presented. It's just. I mean, maybe there was not anything that exciting. To, like, for example, imagine if the Mac Pro had not been announced at WWDC it would have been a very different vibe in that room with the exact same announcements. You know what I mean? Just because, like, ev- nothing there was a surprise, really, to anybody. Right. Yeah, like, pretty much everything. If, if if everyone took their best guesses as to what was going to be announced, that was exactly what was announced, and not and really nothing more than that. It was like, all right, everyone's best guesses. You know, what do you think it is? And then it was just that. Yeah, and it really hurts you when you have parts of the event 
that ev- that you've told people about before. You've told people about Mavericks. We're going to go through it again. You've told people about this Mac Pro, which is awesome and everything. We're going to go through it again. And even the stuff like the new uh, MacBook Pros, well, we already have a line of Haswell computers. So the Haswell excitement of, wow, look at this battery life is already there. Like there was so little that it was new. And, and those ones where you're going over stuff that everybody already knows that you yourself told them previously, that just kills the energy, I think, of the presentation. But I... So th- thus far in watching, I don't think it was bad. It was just kind of like, meh. Like, the products they're announcing, I'm looking at the products and going, this is a good product. And, you know, I'm looking at the videos. This video of the Mac Pro is being made. This is a cool video. Like, all thumbs up all around. But uh, having known so much before and, and so much of having been announced beforehand really undercuts the uh, the excitement. Yeah, and I think it was weird, too, that, like, you know, they spent so much time on the iOS 7, you know, goofy video about their design philosophy, which, okay, that's nice, but we've seen that, like, twice or three times already. Because didn't they use it at the iPhone event also? Yeah, you can't keep going back to that video. It's a nice video, it's a good video, but how many times can you use it? Like, right. it's, it would be like showing the... I mean, the only way they kind of got away with that is they showed Think Different a lot. But that kind of works because it's, it was more yeah. abstract, and this is more concrete, and it seems more tied to iOS 7, and it's got the words that you read and everything, and it's just kind of like... You can't... I hope they don't show that again. Yeah, I think they've driven it into the ground. But, you know, also a lot of the time was was videos and fairly boring demos. Uh, It seemed like a... They did have a lot to announce, but the pacing seemed a little bit slow to me. And I know it's always a little bit slow because it's mainly for the press and, you know, it's Tim Cook talking. uh, But still, like, the, the pacing of the whole thing seemed especially slow this time. And it seemed... It seemed like they were less prepared. Maybe they had rehearsed less than usual, uh, and they were less comfortable. Like you know, you're right that part of it was kind of a lack of excitement because they weren't really announcing anything surprisingly dramatically new. Um, but part of it was also, I think, like it almost seemed like they were a little more uptight, maybe because like when they would when they would stumble over what was obviously a scripted line that was made to sound unscripted. Rather than just rolling with the mistake they made, they would like go back and and re say what they were supposed to say the first time. Like they would they would just retry the failed mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing. Like it was it was kind of awkward. It felt it felt very stiff to me. And I'll have, like I said, I'll have to keep watching because I'm only up to EQ at this point. Although w- one thing that that I noticed about it was that you say it went slow. I felt a lot of the demos, especially the software demos that I had seen, like up to the point of GarageBand seemed rushed and in the way that because if you're used to the steve jobs era he would have done the same presentation but he would have picked like either one application or like a couple features of two applications and just spent what seems like way too long if you look at the stopwatch remember when steve jobs would get obsessed with like i mean imagine he had picked like the slow motion feature in iMovie or the drums or something. He would do these in-depth demos of some obscure feature that, like, tickles his fancy, and he would be there. But the thing is, if you look at the clock, like, he's going to sit there and play with the slow motion feature for five <laughs> minutes? Are you kidding me? But it was he was so obviously so jazzed about this feature that he was showing. It was almost like watching a kid who was, like, really excited about, oh, yeah, i got to show you my toy. Look, check this thing out. And that enthusiasm, as corny as it might be, like, you could connect with it and he would go in depth about some one obscure feature and this would seem like oh we've got these things and look at this and this does this and this does that and you can even the one they tried to go in depth for look you can use drummers and go like this isn't that cool but when he says isn't that cool steve jobs would be like closing his eyes and getting into it and going you know like like marco does with fish i imagine <laughs> <You know? laughs> and his, with his with his uh, fancy headphones on and it, like he would really get into it and you may not be into it but you could say uh, like you were convinced that steve jobs was really into like whatever it was even if it's like 
like, look at the wood on these these amp cases and this, you know, and this UI. Uh, that that was missing because these people were just like, go through the features, show them one after the other, maybe go a little bit in depth with this, but none of them, again, thus far up to EDQ, have been able to convince me that they are obsessively in love with any aspect of these programs. Yeah, and I thought the uh, I thought the Q demo was rough. It was so it was something that was supposed to be cutesy and funny, but was neither cutesy nor funny. Like with his uh, with his uh, album cover, or whatever it was, or band poster, right? I don't yeah, specifically what it was. It, you know, the, oftentimes Apple will do something that yeah, it's lame, but it's kind of adorably lame. Whereas this was just straight up lame in my in my opinion. And and I thought I thought it it was awkward. I think Eddie was trying too hard to be funny and. I don't blame him for that, but I, I don't know, like where, where Craig can be the nerd and generally speaking, be funny with the exception of what was the line? I actually wrote it down. Uh, we want to go door to door with a bag of hearts. Huh? What? Uh, that was early on when he was talking about how nerds will make everyone happy by writing code. But generally speaking, I, I think Craig does a very good job with the cutesy funny and the uh, kind of lame funny uh, and I don't think Eddie does well with that at all. And I thought his demo was very rough. Yeah. You can only do so much with the material you have. I mean, like think about a WWDC, like we were, this is the first time we're seeing iOS seven and it was a mixture of like shock and discomfort because it was like, remember when we first saw iOS seven up there with those crazy icons and like the, the video was cool. And then they show us these screens that we'd never seen before. And we show us, show us these icons and no one knows what to think of the whole room is going nuts on the Mac pro, same type of thing. Like, what the hell is this? It's a circle. And they show it next to the Mac pro, like being knocked, being knocked, coming, being hit from the side in an unexpected direction and being knocked off kilter, even when it's in a bad way, when people are like, Oh God, what the hell's up with this iOS seven thing? Like that makes for a memorable, interesting experience. Uh, and they didn't have any of that here. So all you're left with is, I mean, like say you got a really good shuck and jive guy to do a more polished delivery on these same products. I don't think it would have come off any better. And, and this, and I think the things they announced are good. It's just that none of them, none of them, uh, knocked us on our ear. Like a couple of the past announcements have. So let's yeah. talk about the things they announced. Um, but first, uh, let's talk about our first sponsor this week. It's hover. Hover is high quality, no hassle domain name registration. You can use promo code ATP for 10% off any order at Hover. If you're buying an old name, new name, putting an add-on on it, anything, use promo code ATP for 10% off. So Hover takes all the hassle and friction out of owning and managing domain names. They offer smart, easy-to-use, and powerful domain name management tools. Hover believes that everyone should be able to take control of their online identity, something I've actually written about quite a lot, with their own domain name. And Hover makes it very easy to do so. They're part of Two Cows. Two Cows has been around since 1994, and they're one of the largest domain registrars in the world. Hover offers .NET, Co, Com, TV, Country Codes, many more domain names. They've recently added a whole bunch of new TLDs like IO, and they're constantly adding more, so you can get .dot just about anything. Hover does not believe in heavy-handed upselling or aggressive cross-selling. Uh, they didn't tell me to say this, but I mean, come on, we all know the alternatives in the, in the domain name registrar world, some of which just bought a uh, highly punctuated web host. And uh, yeah, we, we know the alternative here, and believe me, hovers a breath of fresh air. Anyway, they don't believe in hiding functionality or requiring extra payment for things that should be included with domain name management, such as who is privacy, subdomains, and URL forwarding. They also offer Hover Email, which makes it easy and affordable to create a memorable email address. And Eschew, see, that's brave right there. Put the word Eschew in an ad read, which I can barely even pronounce. Isn't it Eschew? Is it? 
I, I should not be the authority on such things, but okay. I think that's the case. Well, you can do that for the impersonal free webmail email address that you get. Instead, you can get your own domain and have your own hover email right there with your own domain name at the end of it. They also recently added Google Apps for Business, which you can add to any hover domain, new or old. They also offer excellent online help and support. They even have this awesome policy, no hold, no wait, and no transfer telephone support. See, they, they wrote phone, but I said telephone because I wanted it to sound better because it really is pretty cool. You can call their 866 number Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, and you'll be speaking to a live person who is empowered and eager to help right then. No hold, no wait, and no transfer. So go to hover.com slash ATP for their high-quality, no-hassle domain name registration. Use promo code ATP for 10% off. Thanks a lot to Hover for sponsoring our show. So really quick uh, real-time follow-up. I'm told via the chat that it wasn't Bag of Hearts, which is what I could swear I heard on two different occasions, but Bag of Parts, which doesn't really make the joke any better to me, but apparently I completely misheard that. And also the chat room says it is issue, which is you know, one victory for me in a long line of defeat when it comes to the English <laughs> language. So uh, I'm, I'm going to hold on to that for a while. Anyway, you were going to start walking through what they talked about. Yes. Um, I, I wrote down a bunch of notes on everything. We'll see what, what's actually interesting enough to get to. I do want to save a lot of time for John. Um, biggest thing. So the retina MacBook pro update was the first thing they did. Right. And what's, it's not that interesting. What's very interesting about it. Well, what's kind of interesting about it is the price drops all around the, the retinas all saw a price drop of, I think, $200 for the entry prices, which is really great. I mean, because I don't think, have they, actually, let me double check. Did they update the non-pros at all yet? Or probably not, right? Yeah, it looks like they, they still offer just the 13. The 15 is gone. They offer just the 13-inch non-retina one for only $100 less. And it looks like it's using an old CPU. So, yeah. Um... So they still have it. It's probably on its way out, or they're going to keep it around for one more cycle. Anyway, so 200 bucks less on all the retinas is really great because this is really showing like they're serious about the retinas replacing the other ones. Um, the other ones are not going to be around for uh, much time. I, I wonder if they even cut their margins at all. It could be that their margins had gotten large on those and they had the headroom to cut the price without hurting their margins because like they have, they've been pulling parts out of these things. You know, SSDs are expensive and everything, but... Like, they're smaller and simpler than hard drives, and they probably get good deals on Flash at this point. And, you know, just pulling out the optical drive, there's one part you don't have to pay for at all and all the stuff. And getting rid of buses that were there previously that peripherals used to be connected to, you know, those buses were just there dangling that they can get rid of those. Like, what's inside these things is getting smaller and more stuff moving onto the CPU package with the Haswell and everything. I wonder if they're, if the margins are, you know, if these price drops are just maintaining the, the margins of, like, two generations ago, uh... And they just, you know, figured, well, these are, we can get, we can sell more of these if we just maintain our our current margins. Like, and, and the best example that we'll get to later is like compare and contrast with the iPad too, which they did not do that with. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but the price drops, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to work. It's really good though. That means more people getting into retina screens. And that also means that, you know, like, because the screens are, these, are exactly the same as they were already. Um, but I think this means that, they're, that retina screens are getting cheaper, basically. And that's really good for the rest of the line getting retina screens, which we will also talk about later. Four gigabytes RAM, though, standard on a couple of these models, it's no good. Yeah, that's a, that's a little weak. Especially with integrated graphics, despite the Mavericks changes integrated graphics. Yeah, there's that. There's also the, the compressed RAM, which I actually should ask you how well that works in practice. I haven't actually read your review yet. Sorry, I haven't had time. But uh, I'm going to read it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, don't tell anybody. Um, 
<laughs> I do like that they finally have a uh, a no discrete GPU option on the 15, like we talked about in the past. Um, what's interesting though is that it doesn't appear to make any price difference whatsoever. <laughs> if you actually configure that, they have two parts. They're like a low end and a high end uh, line to start with, and you can configure the low end with all the options that the high end has, except the GPU. And if you if you configure it to match on the other specs, it's the exact same price regardless of whether it has the discrete GPU or not, which I think is kind of funny. And the 13 doesn't get discrete at all. So if you look at the, right. if the, look at the chart, it's like uh, integrated, 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 and only at the very right-hand side of the tech specs, they say, oh, and by the way, you can get a discrete. So the way it's presented is kind of like the MacBook Pro only uses integrated graphics, except for if you get the super-duper high-end, you can opt for the apparently no-cost uh, discrete. Right, exactly. And But although the 13 never had it. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a very good point. I know, but like, there's no there's no reason they couldn't also have a high end 13. You know, for people who want that form factor, you know, witness the 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 Retina Mini, which is kind of like the the high end uh, different form factor in iPads. Like they, at various times, they've done that where each line can you can crank up to the highest level, but they've chosen not to. And so discrete right. is only you know it's kind of like towards the end of the life when the 17 was the only one that got the super duper stuff. Like they were just shove the most powerful things into the 17 like well you want the most powerful thing you got to get this big boat <laughs> so moving on what do you think about the um what what i believe was next or at least the next most important thing is uh what do you think about the ipad air oh hold on you're, you're skipping a lot of stuff here so what about the mac pro is there anything interesting you wanted to add to that it's interesting that when we were walking out of the keynote and we said, what do you think of the price of Mac, Mac, the Mac Pro? And Marco and I both said 2999 And then we changed our minds up and down over various months or whatever. But it turns out the first slide Apple put up with the price next to that thing was 2999 Uh So kudos to first uh, to our, you know, our instincts there. Uh, and so I'm the pricing is... What I think what we expected. I, I think they I think they could have gone lower if they really wanted to, uh, but they didn't want to. And I'm glad that there's a two in front of that number, even if no one's ever going to buy that particular model. I just hope I have the the build to order flexibility to mix and match to a greater degree. Because like they showed the little canned configs, and it's like okay, well can I get like the second fastest low number of core CPU, but with the big honking GPU, but with the you know the, the medium size SSD or whatever. The answer to all of those is well, I don't know about the SSD, but the answer to the CPU and GPU from their tech specs page is that you can mix and match any combination of those. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I'm assuming. And and I was I was uh, wondering uh, again what what it's going to cost to upgrade the standard 256 gig SSD to the top end terabyte one and dreading what it might be and uh if you look though the the new MacBook Pro, the Retina MacBook Pro has a 1 terabyte SSD option for either 500 or 800 depending on uh, whether it's the high end or the low end. That's what Rich Siegel pointed out to me today. He's like, I know what the price is going to be. I said, how do you know? And he showed me the choices to upgrade from 256 to 512 or 1 terabyte for both the iMac and the MacBook Pro. And the prices were always $800 for the 1 terabyte and right. $800, 1 terabyte. But it is 500 on the high-end Retina MacBook Pro. So so I'm guessing it could be either. It could be 500 or 800 uh, Either way, 800 is a little bit pushy. 500 for a 1 terabyte SSD is pretty good. But it's not, they always do that for you. It's not 500 for one terabyte SSD. It's 500 for an additional 768 uh, gigabytes. You know what I mean? Like, they, they always do that. That's true. But, but from Apple, first party, fully supported and integrated into this crazy case where you can't put your own in, that's pretty good. Well, now, stop. Stop right there. What, what did you just say, Marco? This crazy case where you can't put your own in? Right. I don't think that's true. The RAM is user-serviceable. 
they said in the video. Is that what it is? Yeah, they were saying that the memory is... I mean, the, the SSDs are user serviceable, too. The question is, where are you going to find whatever weird PCIe form factor connector thingy that goes in there? Like, probably other world computing will sell them in a year or so, but it's not going to be a bargain. Right, because the SSDs are in a slot. Right, that's exactly what I was driving at. Yeah, the question is, like, what's... Because, like, I mean, remember, when the Retina MacBook Pro came out, it took it took uh, OWC, like, six months or something to be able to... Uh, to to find something that and make something that could fit that, um, so it, it, you know it might. I think John's right. It might be a while. Oh, well, they do that neat thing though, where they give you like a little uh, cheapy aluminum external case for you to the one you take out, so you don't have to just throw it in the garbage. You can stick it in this little case and have a tiny little bus powered SSD. Uh, Third party opportunity. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> s- since they didn't announce Retina displays, maybe I will take that extra money uh, and you know throw it into a bigger SSD when I buy my Mac Pro. It's also it's nice that they went standard twelve gigs on the RAM. Um, the Mac Pro for so far the Mac Pro has until this point had three gigs standard, which is embarrassing. Well, but twelve gigs is embarrassing too. I feel like sixteen is like the nice round number we all wanted, and they give you twelve just to make you feel inferior. Like, oh, I guess I have to upgrade to sixteen. <laughs> What's the configuration to get twelve gigs in the dims? Three fours, maybe. That's so weird. But there's four slots, and it's quad channel. Yeah, well, I, I've I've got a I've got a thing with triple channel memory on my desk, and it's got four dim slots on it. Who knows with Apple in there? I don't know. I don't know what this configuration. is. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And we don't know RAM pricing either. Um, and we also we don't know CPU pricing either. And I, obviously, I have a lot to say about the CPUs, probably more than anybody cares. Uh, so I'm not going to do it all here. I'm going to make a blog post. But the the short version is the uh, base CPU, the four core, three point seven. Um, that is an E5 1620. It's a $300 CPU. It is not a high-end CPU. It does not turbo very easily and very far. Um, it It's probably a pretty crappy CPU. It's 3.7, so what do you think it's going to turbo to? I mean, it's already it's already pressing. Well, I, I, looked, I looked all these up. It, it turbos to 3.9, but yeah. only with only one core active. Like, the if you read Intel's weird turbo numbers where it's like, Number slash number slash numbers. It's it's three zeros and a two. So it's like it does not. It hardly turbos at all. Um, but if you look, most of the CPU options. So I, I looked up. You know, you can figure out by elimination exactly which models these are. So you can look up other stats. And uh, so it's basically the whole E five sixteen X line. It's the sixteen twenty fifty eighty, and then the twenty six ninety seven as at the high end, the twelve core. And these all turbo to roughly the same 3.9 gigahertz, and if you look at like how they, how they ramp up, they all have pretty much like the same range, like it's because they all have the same TDP. They didn't go high enough to have the W chips. Like for a while, the, the last few Xeon families have had these special models ending in W for workstations, and they've used more power and run faster. And like the current 2010 Mac Pro that I have, the 3.336 core is one of those chips. Um, they can't use those. I guess they can't cool the extra heat, so uh, they're not using them. That would have been nice. I wish they were. And the the twelve core high end one, the the part from Intel costs twenty six hundred dollars. So I'm guessing that's going to be like a five thousand dollar option on the Mac Pro. Um, and what's funny is that it hardly turbos at all. So that's not likely to be a very fast chip for almost anything except extremely parallelizable tasks. Um, the best option is probably going to be the eight core, but what's what's sad is that the eight core they picked the uh, E five sixteen eighty V two. It's a seventeen hundred dollar chip, so that might be like you know a twenty five hundred to three thousand dollar option. For three hundred dollars more from Intel, there's a better one that uses the same power. It's the twenty six sixty seven uses the same power, same heat, 
higher speeds all around. And I don't know why they're not offering that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad about that. But otherwise, overall, these look like reasonable options. The same cache sizes on those two? Yeah, exactly the same. I believe 25 megs on both. Yeah, I might go for the cheapy uh, CPU and trade that, again, trade that money for SSD. Because I don't have much that's CPU bound. And like, if I can put more money into the GPU, if that ends up being better for gaming, I think you know a game that's CPU bound on the quote-unquote low end Xeon, like it's probably gonna be fine. Like people are people are running, you know, I fives and I sevens most of the gaming world, so I think the Xeon even even the crappy Xeon will hold its own. Is is there a four core or something that starts at three nine and turbos faster, or am I imagining? I don't think so. I I, I don't I don't have the full chart in front of me now, but I don't I don't think so. I'm pretty yeah. sure that the highest the highest Xeon speed is at three point seven, that is the base CPU. But it really it's like you're stuck at three point seven. Like you don't get yeah. anything higher than that. There is the six core in the middle. Six core is only uh, Intel's price is only just under six hundred, so Apple might offer that for an extra, you know, thousand, um, and that's that is going to be substantially faster, but not not by a massive, like huge jump. Wasn't that the prices they actually gave? It was it was you know three thousand dollars for the for the four core and uh, four thousand dollars for the six core, right? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, they they did tell us that, didn't they? It's a thousand dollar more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the CPU is six hundred bucks. Rather, so the CPU is a three hundred dollar upgrade. They're charging a thousand for it. So that's uh, although that also has a, a uh, that also has higher end GPUs in that configuration. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like mix it, mix and match. You could probably if they let us mix and match, it, you know, you can make a machine that's the way we want it to be. Yeah. So we'll have to see when the configurator goes up. What you know, how these prices actually are. I'm actually thinking though. So as you mentioned a second ago, they didn't launch retina displays like external desktop size retina displays i'm actually thinking i might skip this generation because there's a new xeon generation on intel's roadmap coming out in one year it's the haswell uh, ep line or whatever it is um that's that's scheduled to come out in in third quarter of 2014 and it's not likely to be a massive upgrade it's likely to be you know another eight to ten percent maybe of performance uh it's, it's the same process size and everything so it's not going to be like a huge a huge jump but they're probably going to update the Mac Pros in a year, or roughly a year. And so maybe I might wait for that one. Maybe they'll have Retinas then. Maybe people will have worked out the version 1 bugs with this weird new architecture. You know, who knows? I can't wait that long. I've, I've been waiting so long already. i got to get this. I mean, it's like it's like when the, the dual 2 gigahertz G, Power Mac G5 came out. Like, I had like a frontside bus. It was like 133 megahertz at that point. I was like, hell yes, I'm getting this machine. I'm getting yeah. You know, so I I just can't wait anymore. And so, I mean, what I have to wait for, obviously, is monitors. So I'll be using this fancy new Mac Pro with my ancient 23-inch, uh, you know, non-LED backlight, but matte Apple cinema display. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code ATP10 for the month of 10. Squarespace is always improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and all the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need any help, they have an amazing support team of over 70 full-time employees in New York City. They work 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They've won numerous awards. It's great. Squarespace starts at just $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a whole year. Every design comes with responsive mobile design, so your mobile theme matches your full-size theme. You've got SEO-friendly markup. They handle all that for you. 
your site can be crawled by Google and Yahoo and Bing and all the other search engines, and it's fantastic. They even have this whole commerce platform where you can create, if you want to, you can create a whole online store, physical goods, digital goods, donations, express checkouts, carts, coupons, everything you can imagine to have a complete online store comes at no additional cost to every Squarespace account. So you can sell anything you want, integrate it into the rest of your site. The store looks like your site. Your cart looks like your site. Everything's integrated, and it's powered by our wonderful friends at Stripe. So everyone trusts their credit card stuff, and they have very great low credit card rates. Go to squarespace.com to learn more. Squarespace takes care of hosting so you don't have to. You can start a free trial today with no credit card required and start building your website. When you decide to sign up, Go use coupon code ATP10. You'll get 10% off your entire order, and you can show your support for our show. Thank you very much to Squarespace for supporting ATP. They're everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, do you want to do the uh, iPad stuff, then we'll mosey our way back into Mavericks? Yeah, let's do that. There's, honestly, I don't think there's that much to say about the iPad. Um, I think the, the iPad Air is interesting. It's a terrible name. It is a, it is a horrible name. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. But it, it's interesting that they're, they're pushing really hard to get everyone talking about the, the new full-sized iPad again. Like, that is the new product for this fall. The, the Retina Mini is great, and it's probably going to be the one we all buy. But what Apple wants us to think about, obviously from this presentation, Apple wants us to think about the big one again. And it's probably, you know, skeptically, it's probably just because it has way bigger margins. It's a much higher priced product that has mostly the same hardware as the small one now. Um, so, it, you know, I, I think you can look at that and you can say, this is obviously just them trying to, you know, boost, boost the attention back to their more profitable product. Um, but it was interesting. I saw, like, some of the hands-on reports from some of the reporters who were there at the event uh, say that it really is, like, surprisingly small. The, the, the low weight is really nice. And a lot of them say it's like, you know, it's actually now very competitive with the Mini, and, and they might even prefer it. And uh, so I think that's really interesting that, you know, Apple might have actually succeeded in getting everyone to buy the big one again. Uh, probably not. I'm, I'm guessing the Mini will still remain the most popular one, but it, I think it's possible. I still think the Mini was popular because it was cheap first and small second. Yeah, that's very possible. And and so on that note, um, so the, the uh, Mini was updated. They, there's now a Retina Mini at $400, and the old Mini sticks around for 30 bucks less at $300, and which is, I, I, I think that's exactly what we predicted last time, but uh, close enough. Anyway, what I like a lot about the Retina Mini is that it has the A7. So the Retina Mini and the iPad Air both have the exact same CPU, the, the A7, and they basically have all the same internal hardware, except the uh, the iPad Air has the bigger screen. So you're you're literally just I think you're isn't that right? I think you're just paying an extra hundred dollars just for the bigger screen. Is that right? And the bigger battery that goes that's behind it. Right, that's true. So and I, do we know uh retina mini battery life numbers yet? I mean I, obviously what Apple tells us, but do we know real world numbers yet? I don't think so. I'm curious to see, you know, when when the full size one w- w- went retina, uh they had to put a massive battery in it and uh it produced a lot more heat. I'm curious to know if the Retina iPad or the Retina Mini rather will have that same problem. So here's one unambiguously, as far as I'm concerned, bad thing about the iPad Air, and probably the only well, the only two, only one of two bad things about the iPad Air from my perspective. One I talked about last show that the you know making the frame thinner, but I'll have to try that to see how that works out in practice. But two, it lost the beautiful original smart cover with the metal hinge. 
Instead, it's got that flappy, twisty iPad mini smart cover with the hinge that does not align and drives me insane. Yeah, but the uh, metal one scratches the laptop next to it in the bag. Don't just leave your things <laughs> rattling around in your bag. What are you doing? Are you put your iPhone in your pocket with your keys? Come on. No, but you but you could put a smart covered iPad next to the the flat side of a laptop in a skinny laptop pocket. No, I, that's I don't. I would much rather have a hinge that works properly than a hinge that is uh, padded so that it doesn't damage other items when they're jostling around. I do not like that hinge, and that, it's upsetting <laughs> to me because that smart cover is one of my favorite things about the iPad three that I use. It just so it's just. It works so nicely. It's so pleasing in practice to flap it shut and open. It's just, other than the uh, the stupid finger grease streaks that it leaves on the screen because of the bendy thing. But, you know, I do use the little bendy triangle thing when I prop it up. Disappointing. And that big the big case that they put around it, looking at the pictures, that looks the same, kind of the same as uh, design as the existing big case. And those big cases are terrible, too. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen one of those. Like Obviously, I've seen the regular one without with just the front, but I've never seen the full back case. Yeah, go to, I've seen them in the Apple Store. I've never seen a real person have them, but they are not. They have sharp edges, and they're not attractive. They don't feel good in your hands. Yuck. Well, remember the iPad One case? That was a disaster. Like everyone got it anyway because that yeah. thing was a piece <laughs> was of like crap. S- straps and flanges and seams. Yeah, it was very bad. And so no, no Touch ID in any of these things, even though they have the A7. That that was really that's a weird decision. You know, you have to wonder why they did that. Obviously, like I was thinking, maybe they put Touch ID just in the big one to make more people want to buy the big one, but they they didn't put it in either of them. Yeah, and when I see that they didn't even put it in the big one, but not putting it in the mini makes sense if you're just trying to you know keep the price down and stuff like that. Even though, it has, especially since it you know it has the A7, but like you're you're spending so much money in that mini, right? So, but for the big one, you're like, why they have a 128 gigabyte model for crying out loud? Why not put it on the big super fancy one? And it makes me think they don't have enough of those little fingerprint sensors at this point. That's what it makes me think. Very possible. Because this is the there's one and only product in the entire world that has that, and they're going to sell a bajillion of them, and that product is still supply constrained. And of course, none of us know why it's supply constrained. Like, still, I'm seeing things of like, hey, I was at the mall at the Apple store, and they had a sign out front that said, "No more iPhone 5s today. Come back tomorrow." Like, that's still happening now, and so it's not like they, you know, but they're making bazillions of them. Like, they're it's it's not like they can't make any of them, but we have no idea which part it is that's making it so they can't so that those signs still are going up at apple stores you know weeks after launch and i think could it be the part that has never been in an apple product before it could be you know because it's, it's certainly not the screen which is more or less the same and the case is just a bunch of aluminum and the a7 well that's already going in the minis and the ipads so i'm thinking you know fingerprint sensor now are either of you going to get either of the new ipads and if so which one after the uh I I didn't watch the event, and I don't think my wife did either, but she knew of the things, and she came to me and said, I want a new Mini. She wants the Retina one. So I don't think she's getting one, but that clearly <laughs> clearly that sale, she just got a 5S and got the fancy 64 gig one over, so she can wait, you know. <laughs> I, I would love to have the new iPad, but again, I will wait. Like, the, this is my strategy for buying things that she does not adhere to, which is wait for the product that you want like i went the first ipad i got was the ipad 3 because it was the first retina one because i knew retina ones were coming and i was willing to wait and i've been so happy with my ipad 3 that in ways that i wouldn't have been because my wife got the ipad 2 it's like i'm like nope i don't want an ipad 2 you don't want to get one too you can get one nope i don't want to get one I'm, i'm waiting for retina and i did and i've been very happy and so i would say wait like like marco was entertaining doing with the mac pro if it's not the product you want they'll just buy it just because it's there wait if you can possibly wait your thing with not getting the first iPad Mini, 
I I went the opposite direction of that and got the first iPad Mini, and I think it ruined the iPad for me for a year because I ended up I I hated the iPad Mini screen, but I loved its size, and so it made the iPad three feel heavy and big and outdated. But I hated using it because the screen sucked, and so I ended up just I've barely used an iPad at all for the last year. Like people, I, it, I have used it more for Verizon tethering than any other purpose, and it's, and so I, now with looking at these, I'm wondering, do I get the Retina Mini or even the iPad Air? Because I actually kind of like playing games on the bigger screen. I just don't like carrying that giant old thing that the iPad Three was. But I think I'm actually going to have to go to a store and like feel them both in person before I before I decide, um, because like maybe maybe I just don't have a place for an iPad in my life right now, and I shouldn't get any of them. But maybe. I should get the Retina Mini that combines everything of everything that I like from both sides. I kept hearing that story when the Mini first came out of all my nerdy friends going, oh, I totally, I just used the Mini now, everything else is crap or whatever. And then my wife got a Mini and I'm like, is that going to happen to me? Am I going to use her Mini and be like, oh, I can't use the big one? But I very quickly found out I like the larger iPad. I, I use it when, when I would, when I used to sit down and read things on my computer, I always go and just lay down on the couch or on the bed or something and i read it on my ipad like my ipad is my preferred device for reading long things now my retina my big retina ipad not the small one you know and i don't know why i love the big one so much i mean i don't it's not like i'm doing anything with that big screen i just i just i guess i just like it because it's bigger it looks plenty sharp and there's more stuff and it's not some tiny little thing that i'm pinching it's more like sitting with like a magazine on your lap than sitting with like a big deck of oversized playing cards in your lap that's why I think maybe the Air might might do better than we expect. I mean, because it, it it really does. It, you know, it still has the exact same size screen as the as the former big iPad, um, but with a substantially lighter case and and substantially smaller. So I'm really curious to see how that how that is in practice. Yeah, to answer my own question, um, so I currently have a iPad three that is Wi-Fi only that we bought and then work gave me a while back or lent me long term lent me a while back an iPad mini, also Wi-Fi only. And I don't think I'm going to get any of the new ones. Ask me the, or remind me of this in like a month. But um, if I were to get one, I think I would, I think I would get a iPad mini. I would get one that's LTE. And given the news today that T-Mobile had that they have really, really, really competitive pricing on um, LTE service for iPads, I would really consider getting a T-Mobile one. I'm not sure that I would, but I'd really, really think about it. But again, I'm not sure I'm going to do any of the above. One thing that kind of ruined, um, kind of ruined stuff for me a little bit is that I, I got that awesome Logitech keyboard case for the iPad 3, and I, I used it on a couple of plane rides, and it's re- like a, an iPad propped up on a keyboard case is a really fantastic plane tray table computing device. It's even better, I think, than the, than the 11-inch MacBook Air. Which is normally the king of that of that category. Uh, it's really really good, and the battery life is insane. You can watch videos, or you can you know type on in Twitter and stuff like that if the plane has Wi-Fi. So that was a lot of fun. Then I got the mini, and of course the keyboard case doesn't fit it. Uh, if I get the Air, the keyboard case still won't fit it. But I think looking at future keyboard cases, uh, I think having the extra length of the iPad Air uh, or the you know height in portrait, like having that dimension still be much bigger than the mini would probably make for a much more usable keyboard case. So if you're a keyboard case kind of person, the Air is probably going to be the better pick. All right. Anything else from the event before we meander our way to Mavericks? iPad 2, lol. 
<laughs> yeah, what is up with that? What is that? What the? What must the margins be on that by now? <laughs> like it, the, the, I, I guess the LCD still kind of costs a little bit of money, but like it must be like seventy <laughs> percent margins. It's just crazy to me. And and the thing is, they mu- like they must know that they can get away with that. You know, it must be selling, and it must those people must want something big, and they want something cheap, and they're willing to pay four hundred dollars for it. I guess, and it's just like it's not a bad kid computer because you know my daughter and my son play with our iPad too, and they play games on it, and they do things or whatever. But I would never buy one for four hundred dollars. Like if anyone, if people out there, if, you know, you're nerds, you're listening to a nerdy podcast, help your family not get the ipad too like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I know i know it didn't work out for us marco couldn't stop his mom from getting the free ipad iphone 4 like sometimes <laughs> sometimes he can't do it but just tell people like like give them the extra hundred dollars to get like one of the good ipads <laughs> you know just donated them just because what was the ipad to a5 well yeah what's funny is that it's the exact same hardware as the original ipad mini which is now still for sale for 30 bucks less so the original ipad mini is all the exact same hardware same screen resolution just smaller dimensions smaller physical screen and it's all the same stuff for a hundred dollars less and so the the ipad 4 or the ipad 2 rather god that's so old i mean that's think about it that came out in early 2011 that is that is almost three years old and and they're not only are they still selling it new but they didn't even drop the price (laughs) so I don't under I don't understand that. I don't it just doesn't make like Well the theories I've heard, which I think are plausible, is that schools are buying a ton of them and that anybody who still needs a dock port, like if they made like somebody in the chat room said a few minutes ago, sorry, I forgot who, that like a lot of people have like custom hardware that uses the dock port they that they had integrated with iPads for some part of their business. So that that kind of makes sense. But, but schools don't pay three ninety nine, they get the education price, which is lower. Right. Well but think about it also. If they made let's say they dropped the price a hundred bucks. Then it would be the exact same price as the iPad Mini. So it's like you have two things with the exact same hardware, except one's bigger, and at this exact same price. That would be kind of weird. I'd drop it fifty bucks, drop it seventy. I'm not saying you have to take a hundred bucks off of it, although they could at this point. But come on, like, and I think it's like you're an iOS developer. Like, does it does it feel good to keep selling? I guess you got to deal with the Mini anyway. But it's just that's the thing. Like, there's two there's two device. Like, even if they drop the iPad to the lineup, we as developers would still have to support the A5 forever because they're still today selling the iPhone 4S and the and the iPad Mini, the original one, which both use that CPU. Yeah, just think about it. Fast forward three years, and you're going to be in the same situation with the 64-bit. You're going to be like, oh, there's just one non-64-bit CPU left. Some crappy device still has, like, an A6 in it, and we have to keep supporting that, and it's annoying us. Why can't Apple go all 64-bit? Well, that that's coming up. That's the next moaning about the crappy old computer. But this, we're still in – this is the – early error of moaning where you just keep some slow device around for too long like the 3gs before it <laughs> what's interesting too um Gusta in the chat pointed this out um that so the ipad mini original and the ipad 2 are the same hardware one's bigger 100 bucks more the retina mini and the new ipad air are also the same hardware one's bigger also 100 bucks more so they have that exact same gap with both product families yeah, there's plenty. I mean, when you if you go into an Apple store like the like the, the script or the spiel or whatever they have to, to say which device do you like? Do you like big? Do you like small? Do you have a lot of money? Do you have a little? Money? You know, like there are. It's a good it's a good spread to get everybody to get everybody something that they want at a price they can kind of feel okay with, while still having that you know kind of smooth little ramp that they get the wedge in where you like you like you decide on the machine that you want and then you end up getting the little bump and you end up oh and that bump is a hundred bucks more and you're like sure why not like. Apple stores and Apple's products and pricing are great at 
hurting you towards the thing that you think you want and then making you pay 50 to 100 bucks more than you thought you were going to pay for it and then leaving the store happy that's the magic of that's the magic of the apple store like even if it's just the case you're like oh and of course you'll want a case yes of course and you don't even blink at that 40 dollar case which you were just hemming and hawing over like a 50 dollar difference between model a and model b but the case like oh free money 40 bucks yeah sure throw it in apple care (laughs) plus throw it on i don't know how well do they they do with that but cases people like oh i gotta have a case give me the pink one here's 40 bucks (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, the iPad 2 is weird. And was it last show or the show before where I thought I was being all bright and pointing out that we were darn near done with dock devices? And clearly <laughs> I was just way wrong nope. with that. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna add a dock port to the, the non-retina iPad mini. <laughs> just to give it to the family. And this is our big mouth bass family <laughs> for, for people with old peripherals. They, they just must be selling a ton of those iPad 2s. I mean, they must be selling way more than we can possibly imagine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, now we're going to have to, every every uh, time there's any kind of event where iPads can be talked about at all, it's like iPad 2 Death Watch. <laughs> like, like the iPad Classic. Everyone just waits for that one. It's like, you know, still for sale. Is it still for sale? I didn't look after yesterday. iPad Classic? Yeah, I think so. At this point, like, I, I mean, I was one of them. I predicted for years Every single iPod event, oh, the iPod Classic is going gonna, is gonna to die right you know, at, the, at tomorrow's event or whatever. And every time it goes by and it's still around. It's, never, it's not mentioned. It's just still quietly around for sale. I think now, like, now the surprising thing would be if they do kill it. Like, it yeah. now it just seems like this, this like, undead zombie product that just cannot possibly die. Isn't it like, uh, only available in like, one color or one or two colors? Something like that. They don't even bother. It's just like, this is it. iPod Classic. <laughs> there, there are no options. Take it, or, take it or leave it. No, no, actually, wait a minute. There's two. There is a silver and a dark gray. Well, there you go. Uh, which they're probably calling black. But yeah, <laughs> they actually have both. And, and they're both on the same capacity, same price, 250 bucks, 160 gigs, which I think has been that way for like three or four years now. <laughs> yeah, and compared to, and I heard this on Back to Work today of all shows, they were talking about the tech stuff and keynotes. Someone, they this is third hand now, but they saw, they saw someone on the web linking to something that said, the number of possible SKUs of uh, one of the devices, it might have even been the iPhone, was like 40 or something in terms of carrier, uh, storage size, color combinations. You end up, up with 40 SKUs for the, for the iPhone. Uh, well, but I mean, when you think about it, like that is by far Apple's most popular and most profitable product. So they can afford to satisfy every possible need with it. I know, but like it's, it's similar. Maybe they were even talking about the iPad. It's similar because they do offer the two colors for the iPads. And you can get them with, with the you know, cellular and without and with Wi-Fi and then different sizes. So that, you know, it multiplies out pretty fast. Like we all like this sort of – it's like build to order but not really because nothing is build to order. They just have to make a, all sorts of different varieties and you just pick the one you want. Well, I don't want the white, you know, Verizon – uh, 32 gig, you know, mini retina. Like, it's it's, it's a lot. Uh, I will say also, now that we're on the subject, people are going to ask, if you're going to buy an iPad, I, I would, you know, evaluate your own needs. However, I always highly encourage people to get a cellular model. Uh, I think it makes a big difference in how you can use it. And so I personally, I got the Verizon one. That's up to you which one you get. Um, just because for me, having an iPad work in my house on cellular is not necessary, but having it work everywhere else is awesome. And then I have Verizon on the iPad and AT&T on the phone, and I have tethering available on both. So I, w- whenever I go on a trip, I can just pick the one that is better reception wherever I am. Usually it's the Verizon one and uh, and use that to tether my laptop, and it's awesome. So... I do recommend getting a cellular one. 
I I get 32 gig capacity on iPads. I don't get 64. Uh, I get 32 just because that's the way I use it. It's up to you how you use it. But definitely, I would recommend cellular. I would agree with that. I've only ever had um, Wi-Fi iPads, and especially the last the the last two, which I acquired roughly the same time, which was the iPad 3 and the Mini. I've really regretted not having a cellular one. And I think up until today, I would have said I would absolutely get the Verizon one, just like you, to offset the AT&T phone that I have. That being said, like I alluded to earlier, T-Mobile announced some really interesting cellular pricing. Uh, I'm going to butcher the details, but it was something along the lines of you get 200 megs free every month, and then it was pretty cheap to add in, I think it was day or week passes at reasonable capacities. It was not ridiculous. Oh, that's really good for travel. Mm-hmm, exactly. But the only problem is, if I'm reading things right, it's I believe it's only on their 4G network, which is basically in metropolitan areas, and that's it. So it is a pretty big trade-off. It's much cheaper, but it may not be as available, especially in the case of something like uh, Verizon. But I would definitely look into that, and just like Marco said, evaluate your own needs. But if it were me, I would probably get a 32-gig iPad mini Retina, either T-Mobile or Verizon. Like if your iPad never leaves your house, then Wi-Fi only is probably fine. But if you bring it with you either, you know, every day to, on your commute, or if you bring it on trips, you know, more than zero times a year, um, having that having the LTE one is is great because not only can you tether all your other stuff with it if you want to, and the the battery life when you're just tethering is awesome. You can use it like pretty much all day, but. Uh, you can also it, it it just changes the way you use it when you which it's just like a phone when you always know that it's always online rather than having to like go on your phone turn tethering on have your ipad connect to your phone through tethering like it, it's when you whenever you add those steps it it reduces the likelihood that you're going to pull it out and check it and and use it for something and and so you, like for me i i've always found that i will use the ipad more when it has the the, the radio than when it doesn't yeah, the only thing I would say, though, is I am not sure if T-Mobile does tethering with these plans. They very well may. I, I just – I really don't know. That would dramatically change my enthusiasm for T-Mobile because half the reason I would want an, a cellular app, iPad is in order to tether, just like you were saying. Do you want to uh, move on to the Mavericks stuff? Yeah, I'd like to briefly start by making an observation, and then I, I will leave the floor – to especially John. Well, what do you what do you leave in the floor to me? You guys got to ask me questions. I just wrote this entire review. I'm not going to read the review on the air, you know. Wait, you're not? <laughs> no, I'm not. We have about 15 more minutes, 20 more minutes. You can fit it in there, right? I don't right. think so. Are you going to do an audiobook release? No, I'm not. I mean, like you can make macOS 10 read you web pages, you know. Like it's part of the it's part it's part of the OS. You don't need me to do that for you. Yeah, but it's not the same. It has to be, you know, remember when we did the audible read? It has to be in the author's voice to really have maximum effect. If I read something that I wrote, it just makes me, it just reminds me how bad the writing is. I'm like, oh, God, it just doesn't, no. It takes, it's a certain skill to uh, read, you know, to read the written word is different than just speaking or giving a speech or anything like that. It's very different and yeah, not, not in my skill set. It's funny you say that though, Marco, because earlier as I was reading the review, uh, I, I thought to myself, I wonder if we could take like recordings of the what is it, naturally speaking software that you use, whatever it is, the dictation software you use, and piece together the review just from the recordings that you made in the process of writing the review. You <laughs> could not, because I interleave typing and speaking, which you really shouldn't do and is inefficient, but it's just the way I work. And it's just, it's just nonsense. It's just fragments of sentences burst, burst it out, and then I go back and edit things and put in two sentences by hand and then speak some more. It is not, <laughs> it is not a pretty process. 
Fair enough. All right. Well, now you guys are giving me a taste of my own medicine. I wanted to make a quick observation before we got to that. Um, it was uh, one of the recent, I think it was a WWDC, either this this year or in 2012, and I didn't have the chance to go look it up and figure out exactly what one it was. But I remember leaving that event, whatever the event was, and thinking to myself, my goodness, half of this event was a big screw you to Google. And it might have been the one where they introduced Apple Maps, which, as it turns out, wasn't as much of a screw you as we thought. But whatever event it was, there was one event where I left thinking, my goodness, that was just a big screw you to Google. After this event, I had a similar feeling, but it was for Microsoft. Because during the event, Apple killed, well, you could argue that Apple killed uh, paid OS upgrades, or really paying for your OS in any particular capacity. They killed... Um, office to some degree by by making the iWork suite free, and they killed uh, Office 365 and kind of Google Docs by having iWork the iWork on iCloud Beta or whatever it's called. Now, granted, when I say killed, none of these things Office and Google Docs aren't going away, but I thought it was really really interesting that a lot of this was both an implied and in some cases explicit. Screw you to Microsoft. And the explicit case I'm thinking of most most obviously is when they had the picture of Windows 8 or Windows 8.1 or whatever it was, the picture of the box for that. And, and they said, you know, though, this is what the other guys are doing. And we don't believe in that. So we're going to make it free. Right. They blew it up. They blew up the box because right. in all the, all the new keynote stuff, they at least kept that transition. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so I just I, I don't know if there's much else to say about that. And I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts, but I just thought it was interesting that they're going after Microsoft with this because that was a direction I didn't really expect. Well, they're going after the old Microsoft with that, because like uh, there was an article on Wired about this, too, that quoted me because someone someone sent me an email asking for a take on this. And I sent them a paragraph in the middle of the OS 10 stuff. I don't know why I did, but I did it mostly because I knew exactly what I wanted to say on this topic. Like the article was. Uh, Apple just killed the market for paid OSs or whatever, some similarly sensational headline. And I sent back a paragraph said, this is what's happening. And it's basically, uh, it's be- it's because of vertical integration. If you make the hardware and the software, you can decide where you want to take your profit. And sure. like the lazy way to do it was been like, okay, we'll get, we'll get most of our profit from hardware. Let's make a little profit from software too. But that's a dumb move because if you can just shift that profit over, just take that little bit you're getting from software and put it into hardware and make your software free free is a magical price point there are so many like papers and books that you can read about the experiments that show the magic of free uh you know one a one cent difference going from one cent to two cent does almost nothing but are going from two cents down to one cent does almost nothing but going from one cent down to zero cent unbelievable results like free is magic and so why in the world would you get like you know two percent of your profit from software and, and 98 from hardware when your results getting 100 percent of your profit from hardware and zero from software are just phenomenal and so if you make both of those things, you have that option. And you could do the reverse, I suppose, as well. But it's really hard to give people free hardware, especially when you're talking about big, heavy things made of metal and, and silicon chips and stuff. Like, they're more expensive. So if you have to make a choice, where are you going to put your profit? Really, really hard to put all your profit into software and give people free hardware, although you know Amazon is almost kind of doing that. You know, they're trying to give everyone free everything. But anyway, uh, but on the Apple side, the choice is clear. It's always been the big money's in the hardware, and the software is cheap. And now Apple is finally realizing, look, we make the whole thing. We can shove all the profit into the hardware and give the software away for free. And Microsoft couldn't do that before because they didn't make the hardware. And so now the new Microsoft is, we want to do that. We want to be vertically integrated. We want to make the hardware and the software. 
And once Microsoft does that, they will finally have the freedom to shift the, the profit wherever they want. And I think they're going to end up in the same place because you can't be, give people free Surface Pro 2s or whatever they're selling now. Those cost money to make. They're physical goods. you got to ship them. People have to buy them and build them. But you can make the, the software free. So I think Microsoft, it's not like, you know, Microsoft knows where they're going. They're saying, oh, we're going to make our own hardware. We're going to buy Nokia. We're going to make our own stuff. We're making our own Xbox or whatever. Uh, you know, OS upgrades for the Xbox are not uh, $29 or $100 or whatever. They're free. You just get the new, you know, you update your software. So everyone's going in the direction, that direction. Everyone's becoming vertically integrated. And Apple can take its swipes now, but I think Microsoft is, considering the recent Microsoft moves, they are well on their way to becoming that kind of company already, and Apple just gets to get some final digs in, you know, before everyone arrives at the same spot. Sure, sure. I think developers are, are going to read into this free stuff a lot more than than the market will. And and I would I would also say, you know, with regard to these things like, you know, quote killing these other companies. I mean, I would say like my my favorite weapon in in Worms, the old I was a big fan of Worms, the the 2D versions uh, back before they went 3D and ruined the whole thing. But um my favorite weapon in Worms is always the prod. Uh, because it's just like you walk up to somebody and just like poke them off a cliff or something. It's like you know you, you expend the slightest effort possible and cause them you know some catastrophe to happen. And uh, so I would say like you know Apple prodded Microsoft and Google <laughs> with with these sure, things. Yeah. They I don't think they really are, are killing anybody. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's that big of a deal to the industry. What it really is is you know these Apple products are appliances, or at least Apple wants you to think of, think of them that way. And Apple wants you to just buy the Apple product and just always have the latest version. That's something that Google cannot offer on all their stuff, on Android and everything. Google can't offer it um, because they don't really control enough of the ecosystem. Microsoft can't offer it because it kind of bites their business model in the butt. But the fact is, no one with Android phones really ever upgrades anyway, even if they can. And even PC users don't usually upgrade their OS. Usually they get the new OS by buying a new PC. So they're not really attacking these business models as much as it might seem. It would also like, you know, the, the I work in, in the, in the browser stuff and the collaboration features that would have been really fantastic if it, if Google docs didn't exist, but now it's like Apple, Apple is, is really, trying to play catch up with Google Docs and and to date they've done a very bad job of it. We'll see how this is. I I don't have high expectations because their reputation in this department is very very bad. Casey just think about his feeling uh, coming out of the Apple Maps presentation. This is the same type yeah. of thing. Hey, wait, sure. well, remember yeah, yeah. that you know, we don't have much faith in that. And in in terms of being able to, get, to control everyone's versions of stuff, everyone's got a little foot in that camp. Like Google's got its Chromebooks and the Chromebook the whole big deal is like you always have the most recent version of everything and Google Chrome, which they offer for lots of different platforms, same type of deal where, you know, Google Chrome is notorious or, uh, you know, I don't know if you know call it notorious. I actually like this. I'm just like, look, it's going to update itself. You're going to have the latest version. If you connect to the internet, you're going to have the latest version of Chrome, right? And Chrome OS is like an entire machine. That's like that. You have no choice. You will have the latest version of everything. No options. You're just going to have it. Android, they can't do that with because of carrier crap, and that's kind of you know the whole thing they're doing. And sim- similarly for Microsoft with Xbox, I mean, I think you have the option not to upgrade, but it's like they're not charging you, and they will strongly encourage you, oh, hey, the new Xbox is out. I mean, I don't know if they go so far as to say you can't connect to live after a certain point if you haven't upgraded to the latest Xbox. Some Microsoft console owners would know better than I, but everyone who has control of any hardware platform wants to do that thing where it's just where they want to keep everyone up to date. It's just that Apple... It's like they're already there. They've been camped out in that zone for just for just decades. And it's like 
we, we have the hardware, we have the software. And they were like, they were fighting with one hand tied behind their back trying to charge $29 for OS 10 upgrades. It was like, why? Why are we doing that? We're just we're just punishing ourselves. And, and maybe it took iOS to, to convince them like, oh, yeah, we can just make it free and add $29 to the margins of our Macs. Problem solved. So, John, switching gears for, for a minute, well, probably for the rest of the show, what do you do you think Mavericks do you think everyone should install it? Well, not everyone. Have you installed it on your main computers? Like are you using it full time on your on your main and work computers? In the review, which you haven't read, I said at one right. point that like every new version of OS ten uh, I've been upgrading to sooner and sooner, like after you know, usually after publishing my review. And I said maybe by the time you read this I'll be all my whole house will be all on Mavericks. Unfortunately, like a week before Mavericks was released, uh, my work switched VPN products from one that used to work with the OS X built-in VPN to one that required a terrible third-party product. And now I'm stuck until the VPN software, because I kind of need it, until the VPN software is supported in Mavericks, and God knows how long that will be. So unfortunately, I was not able to execute my plan to get everybody up to Mavericks and to get my main machine up to Mavericks. But uh, it's it's pretty darn safe. Like, you know, it, again, I say in the review, please, people, back up your stuff. Like, do a real backup. Confirm that it's okay. Maybe do two backups just in case, because if you screw it up, then your backup is the only one place your stuff is. You know, just do backups, right? And do a couple Google searches. If you know you have high-risk software that tends to break in OS upgrades, say you're running PGP whole disk encryption, which you shouldn't be because you just should just be using the OS X's built-in encryption, see if that's compatible. If you're running some crazy extension or a kernel extension or a driver, like, Go to the manufacturer's website, send an email to the support thing, say, hey, it's like it takes an extra week or so to get all these answers, but you'll be much happier when you do. It's not like you just wait some magical period of time to upgrade, but you know, check your software. If you're just only running box stock Apple stuff and things from the Mac App Store, yeah, upgrade today. Again, back up, but you'll be fine. But yeah, this it seems really low risk in terms of compatibility, right down to the fact that it doesn't even eliminate any hardware compatibility. Like if you can run Mountain Lion, you can run this. So Ah, it's pretty safe. I know that um, a handful of my coworkers have already upgraded. And granted, you know, all of my coworkers are kind of nerds, but um, some of them are, are not the kind of nerds that I necessarily would have expected to upgrade an OS so quickly. Not to say they wouldn't do it, but just to do it so quickly. And I haven't heard any negative feedback from any of them, but I, I only just got back to work today. Uh, I have not done it on either of my machines yet. I will at some point once I get some double sure backups going, uh, especially since we just went on this trip, I want to make sure that I kind of get through the processing of all those files and make sure those are all squared away and in more places than just the Synology. And then I will probably upgrade like over the weekend or something. The other reason to worry about upgrades is uh, not that things aren't going to work, but, you know, features are added and changed. And so that's why, you know, maybe reading a review and knowing what you're in for, because say you really liked the old way that full screen worked because you're a crazy person. The new the new way that it worked is different. And so you upgrade and go, oh, no, I missed the I mean, so one of the people's complaints that I didn't actually talk about review is like they changed the way the power button works on laptops or instead of bringing up the little dialogue where you can sleep and do all that stuff, just hitting it sleeps. But you have to hold it down to get a dialogue. Uh, and that seems like a small thing. But that's a change, and it doesn't like it's not like your computer doesn't work anymore. But people will upgrade, and that's the thing that they'll say: I upgraded to Maverick, and it ruined my computer. Now I have to hold down the key to get dialog boxes to come up. I mean, you accidentally hit it because it's near the delete key on my laptop. It puts my Mac to sleep, and you know they have to wait a week to find out some way to disable that with some 
you know, <laughs> keyboard shortcut or whatever. Like, stuff like that is in the real world what people decide to condemn or praise a, a release for. And they'll be praising it again if they did if they hated the old full screen mode or they like the new one. Or if they have multi-monitors, they like having the menu bar in both places. Like, stuff like that is what people end up uh, becoming attached to. It. Whereas what I'm thinking of is like, oh, is it going to, you know, hose your computer and not let you get your work done and stuff like that? And that's a, a more of a software compatibility thing. But, yeah, read review. You can see the features. Some features are different than they are in Mountain Lion. Not better, not worse. It's up to you to decide, but they're different. Find out what those are and see if you like them. But I think one of the reasons people are upgrading is because, like, you go to any computer with Mountain Lion and you launch the App Store and it's like, hey, did you know Mavericks is out? Press this button. Get it now. You know, and that's the whole point. It's free. No purchase. Just it's going to be shoved in your face the same way iOS 7 was on, on iOS devices. And that's that's all part of the plan. <laughs> well, to, to go back just very briefly uh, about features, one of the things that I've been kind of dreading about Mavericks since I was sitting in the WWDC uh, keynote is that when I, on my work computer particularly, I like to have three different spaces. And one of them is like personal email and, and web browsing. The middle one is work email and IM and things of that nature. And the third one is whatever the actual work I'm doing is. And I treat each of these three spaces uh, uh, that as one contiguous unit across two monitors. So maybe I'll have work email on the onboard LCD and I'll have work, uh, I am on a external LCD, but that space, space number two, I treat as one contiguous unit just spanning two monitors. And I know that the way that Mavericks treats the, the spaces in, in mission control and all that is that it is no they are now two independent monitors with two independent situations going on and I've been dreading that although if I recall correctly you said in the review there is a way by which you can turn that off if I really get desperate uh but that's a great example of something where I already know that this might not be something I like but I I theoretically have a backup plan just in case I mean, and the point is, like, what are you going to do? Like, you're not going to stay, especially if you're a nerd, you're going to end up upgrading it eventually, or you're going to get a new Mac with this. You might as well just get used to it sooner rather than later. Like, absolutely. You, you, like, get started on figuring out what you need to do to tweak this particular version to your liking, you know? Right. Instead of just saying, well, I'm going to hold. It's the same reason all these people are on Snow Leopard still that they mentioned in the keynote and that I also mentioned in my review. Like, people love Snow Leopard because it's the last good version, right? Because that's just the one they love. And uh, you just you have to move on eventually. Yeah, and that's why I figure I'll I'll install over the weekend, but it's nice it's nice a knowing what I'm probably not going to like about it, but it's also nice knowing after having read your review that there's a backup plan available. Um also, I'm very surprised that I have the self-control not to update immediately if for no other reason than for the easy access to emoji with whatever keystroke it is, which uh Stephen Hackett also gently pointed out in his Mavericks review. You don't need easier access to emoji. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Marco? I think you have a problem. I put that in my review too, Casey. I thought you. I thought you read it. I don't know. No, I saw it in your review as well. <laughs> but I got a. I got a snarky call out in Hackett's review. Oh, all right. yeah. I, so I mean, we're late. We're late in the show for me to be going through my review uh, point by point, and we we will we can do more of that next show. But like to sum up the. Some, I didn't want to go too meta on this, but I'll go a little bit meta, and then we'll get into more details on, on future shows. Uh, but when I'm writing these things, I'm always looking for some kind of message or theme 
for the OS and Apple, Apple provides some of that with like whatever they decide to be pushing and, you know, however they try to wrap up in a bow, the features that happen to make it into this release. And this one, obviously energy saving is a big thing, but what I'm more looking for is like, historically speaking, what kind of release is this? And I would say it's a weird one. Like that's, that's, that's the theme of this review that goes throughout the thing. There's weird stuff in this. Like it's odd. It's, you would call it like a transitional because there have been transitional releases, but it's like a transition between what and what. A transition between the weird line, mountain lion, forestall, iOS jealousy, you know, no clear vision world, and then like not on your way to an iOS 7 thing because it doesn't seem like it is. I mean, maybe that's out there in the future, but it's not clear. But it's like, okay, away from where we were, but not towards anywhere in particular. And it's weird. It, you know, aesthetically and like spiritually, if you want to think of it that way, like it's it's kind of a little bit uh, lost and confused, which is not to say that you know, there's so, so many parts of it that are just better. Like the tech part just gets better. You know, the, the, it gets more efficient. Uh, the things get used less memory. Things get faster and just, you know, bugs are, are removed and subsystems improve and, you know, everything that, that you expect to be better. But the, it's not setting off in some bold new direction. It's kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's an odd bird. Uh, and it's kind of like the beginning of something new, but it doesn't know what that is because we stop the cats. We start with the place names. Uh, and it's, you know, it's like kind of like a, a what is it? The, you know, the baby cows or baby, baby uh, deer or whatever. And they get up and stand up for the first time on their big long legs and they're kind <laughs> of tottering. That's That's kind of like what Mavericks is. But at the same time, it has that vibe of like, well, there's that, and there's also like, well, they didn't go try to like rip the entire house down and, and do something new like they did in iOS 7. So there is a comfort of familiarity there. So uh, that that theme, I hope people who read the review like it's hard because you, like at a certain point, I'm I'm pasting hex dumps of like you know x adder output in, into the thing, and you're like, I, I've lost the plot now. I don't know what's going on uh, with this review. But I hope that theme runs throughout the review, and I do try to add another layer on top of that which is you know stupid snarky comments and yes tons and tons of pop culture references and i i feel like if you don't understand any of the pop culture references that i put in there and no one but me like is going to get them all because they're all from my personal history i feel like you should still get the theme that i'm driving at like you shouldn't have to know have watched the same movies and tv shows and read the same books as i have to get what i'm getting at it should be there in the text but for everybody else there is the subtext laid on top of it and i hope the People who get those few little references and find the little Easter eggs or whatever, that adds something to it. But I never want that to be the only thing. And and the things I'm adding to it, I hope is building on that theme. Not just like, oh, and by the way, like here's a funny thing from a TV show that's totally unrelated to the theme of this review. I tried to make the references related to the theme of the review, including like the big one pop culture theme that runs throughout the entire thing that tries to tie it in. And and part of the reason I do that is, you know, because it amuses me and, and entertains me to write that way. But the other thing is, I don't know what I'm going to do for a review until I basically have the intro and like the last line or the last paragraph in my head for the review. And then it's just a matter of, okay, we'll just fill in the, the 20 K words in the middle and you're fine. Like that's, <laughs> that's my process. Like I need to know what that opening is like in the opening. The intro is taking me the longest to write out of any of these things. I think I spend more time in the intro than I do on like the next 50% of the review. It's the intro and then the, the conclusion. And in the past years, I've been doing two conclusions. One, the boring conclusion, which is the recommendation section where I try to tell you, like, should you buy it? What are the factors involved? What do I think of it? And then there's the touchy-feely conclusion, which is what I end with because that's what I think about. So 
if you haven't read the review or haven't finished it, which I don't blame you because it's long, or never intended to finish it, I would encourage you to give it maybe another try with what I just said in mind. Hopefully it'll give you some sort of guide through through the experience. You can come out the other side. Uh, and we will talk more about the individual features of Mavericks in future shows. And I want to answer one question from the chat room because someone was asking, and many people have been asking this on Twitter. That's a whole other, a whole other meta meta theme of like people asking me questions about their view and that whole feedback process, especially in the age of Twitter. Uh, why isn't the book available in the Mexican iBook store? Uh, what? Yeah, the, like so, I put it up in iBooks, and you can you know select what countries you want it to be available in. I selected all of the available countries. But some of them show up with little red lights because it says, you know, you do not have a contract to sell in this country. You contact blah, 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 whatever. You know, it's Condé Nast. Like Condé Nast is the merchant account. You know, the Condé Nast is the parent company of Ars Technica. And I don't know if it's just that particular company or whatever, but this book is for the iBook is for sale everywhere that I was able to put it up for sale. I don't control whatever the deals are that Condé Nast has with these individual countries. So it's not in New Zealand. It's not in Mexico. It's not in all sorts of countries, but it is in 32 countries. If you can't get it through the iBook store, but you still want the iBook version, you can subscribe to Ars Premiere and get the exact same file, and also the Kindle version, and a PDF version, and a single-page web page version without ads and all this other stuff. I'll, we'll put the link in the show notes to my you know, blog post about it explaining all this stuff. So it's not a choice on my part. There's nothing I can do about it, but you can. There is another way to get for the exact same price the thing that you want to get. Uh, so I think that's probably it for... For this week, although I'm sure people wanted to hear more about Mavericks, but by next week, both of you will have read it and will have come, yep. will come, become prepared with questions for me about various <laughs> things. Because I'm not just going to go through it a section at a time and say, "On this page, I talked about this." Like that's not going to. That's fine. Is there fly. a format or version of the article that you recommend the most? If you, if did, somebody... you didn't even read my meta blog post, he's just totally I'm, no. That's that's the after dark for the review. I have to save it until after I've read the review. Yeah, you can read that. You can read that before. That's There's the... no spoilers. It's the same as the one last year. I just copied and pasted the same damn blog post from last oh, okay. year, which I admit in the thing. Because like, my plan was to read the web version on the iPad so that I can yeah. follow all the links, just in Safari. That's my personal favorite. I say, first of all, I, I spent all this time and pain getting these damn Retina screenshots because I don't have a Retina Mac. And believe me, this is not a fun experience trying to cr- go into high DPI mode and cram these gigantic windows onto your non-Retina screen and try to arrange them so you can you know get everything right. And and then it's my wife's computer too. She's constantly chasing me to get off of her computer because she's the only one with the twenty-seven inch screen, which can fit a reasonable size window in in high DPI mode. So all those Retina images, if you have access to a Retina device, I highly recommend reading it on a Retina device. And I like doing long reading on my Retina iPad. So I think that is the best experience. Is so you know if you want to say what is what is the top level experience for me, it's subscribe to Ars Premiere, go to the article uh, on your iPad on your retina ipad and view it on a single page with no ads and just scroll through it and, and read it in one sitting uh second after that i would say is read the web version broken up into pages because then you can remember you were on page seven or something and not have to worry about like retaining your position in this giant long scrolling thing yeah that was my plan <laughs> again do it on a retina mac or something like that uh I really think the web version is the best version. I say this every year, which doesn't make any sense because, you know, I don't. <laughs> reading the web version is like the, the ebook versions cost money. The web version is free. The free web version is the best one, I think, as I explain at length with copy and pasted text from last year's post explaining the same thing. Maybe next year I'll be able to just link back to it and say, read what I wrote last year. That all applies this year. Well, the right answer is to buy the Kindle version and buy the iBooks version, but still read it on the web on an iPad. 
Some people do that, and I thank them for it. And yeah, like you know, and some people just like to have the ebook. Like the ebooks exist because people wanted them, not because I thought it was a great idea. I didn't think anyone. Why would anyone pay for an ebook that's something they can get for three? But people re- want to read the way they want to read. So you want it? We we'll, we will provide it. Go nuts. In Marco's defense, I was going to ask you that question, even though even though I knew the answer, just because I felt like it might be worthwhile to have it stated on the show that that the canonical version is the Ars Technica web version. On a retina device, preferably a full-size iPad. Yeah, and that yeah. makes the text look nicer too. I mean, you know, the, the only the only par, par, partly objectionable experience to reading on the web is I do use a lot of links in my writing, and I I think that's good, and I like that. Some people don't. That's why I think you should read it in, in you know Safari on an iPad because you can visit the links without like leaving to another application or whatever, and nicely go back and forth and retain you know state of where you were and everything. But the links color, the link colors are as uses for both the non-visited and visited links. Make it so lots of links in a paragraph ug it up a little bit. Like they're not subtle. It's like orange and blue. Wait, did you say ug? Yeah, I said ug it up. <laughs> yeah, and they do. And like I don't, I don't pick the colors for the site design. And the colors are not. They're you know most people who write for ours do not use the density of links that I do. Uh, and if you're scared by the first page where like every other word looks like it's a link. Uh, they do thin out later, and my big thing with linking is I think they're super important, and I don't want anyone to read a sentence and not know what I'm talking about. Like, if they read over something and, like, they read some word and they make some offhanded mention of core animation and they have no idea what core animation is, I don't want to just leave them there hanging and they'll think they're going to Google core animation. I want to link them back directly to the section where I describe what core animation is in detail two years ago or whatever. That's why I put the links there. You know what core animation is, and you're sick of mousing over the stupid links to see where they go or whatever, and eventually you stop, ignore them. That's fine, but I want to bring everybody along. So you shouldn't need to follow the link to understand it. If you know what core animation is, don't follow the link that's linked to core animation, right? And some of them are snarky, and some of them is adding information in the sentence, but they should never be necessary. You should be able to remove every single link from this review, and it should still make sense if you have all the background knowledge that you need to have. But I'm not going to go into detail of explaining, you know, what you know, what virtual memory is or something. If I talk about virtual memory, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to link it to like the Wikipedia, lots of Wikipedia pages. Like, it's mostly like, what is this? I don't want you to stop in the middle of a sentence and say, I don't know what that noun or proper noun is, or I don't understand this concept or this three letter acronym. And I know you're not going to go Google it, but if you can just click a link and I'll take you directly to precisely the page that will explain exactly what that thing is, then you can resume reading. No, I agree with you. I like the links. So, so, so I'm saying like, if I pick the link color for Ars Technica, I would pick a link color that blends more nicely with the writing, uh, but I don't pick it. So that's the only one downside to reading it, uh, you know, the web version versus one of the ebooks, because the ebooks do use, like, depending on how your ebooks readers configured, do use nicer link colors. All right, anything else? Let's wrap it up. Thanks a lot to our two sponsors this week, Squarespace and Hover, and we will see you next week with tons of questions for John, because I will have probably have done my homework. <laughs> Now the show is over They didn't even mean to begin Cause it was accidental Oh, it was accidental John didn't do any research Marco and Casey wouldn't let him Cause it was accidental Oh, it was accidental And you can find the show notes at atp.fm And if you're into Twitter E-Y-L-I-S-S, so that's Casey Liss, M-A-R-C-O-A-R-M-E-N-T, Marco Arment, S-I-R-A-C, U-S-A, Syracuse, it's accidental, accidental, they didn't
That'd yeah. be the first time you've ever done your homework. You ever? can do you can do lots of homework because I don't, I don't have to prepare, and you guys do. <laughs> Finally, you've been preparing for the last like you know five months or whatever. Yeah, by next week I will have forgotten everything, so I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to frequently consult through. As it's like after you take the test, when all the knowledge leaves your head. <laughs> Thank God I never need all that again. Let's blame the listeners. We'll say that we're giving them time to read it and prepare their own um, questions and in, in, into our feedback form rather than. I didn't do my homework because I was out all day. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to read their review. It's too long and boring. I just want to hear like a, an audio summary of it. But that's, you know, it's better if you read it and then it's like The Incomparable. It's better if you watch the movie or TV show or read the book and then listen to The Incomparable talking about it. You don't want to do the reverse. So if you're still listening, go out there and read the review and come back next week. Plenty of time to read it. It's not that long. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I did my meta review last year. And I think it took it only took me like an hour and forty minutes or something like that. It wasn't it, you know, it it doesn't take like hours and hours and hours to read this thing. It's not that ridiculous. I mean, it does if you don't know what I'm talking about. Like if you don't know all the background, that's what all those links are in there for. If you read it and you're that's like, true. what the hell are they talking about? Forestall? What? I don't know who these people are. Well, click the link and you'll find the story about you know, like you just keep going back and it'll be who was Forestall? Why did he leave? What was the hubbub about about that? Like we all assume everyone who's reading that kind of has a vague idea what that's about to, for context but if you don't there's links you can and if you do that you could be there for a long time it's like it's like getting lost in a wikipedia maze where you just keep going back and back until you're on the page for philosophy inevitably and you're like oh <laughs> you see that with the like you know the number of links it takes to, from any wikipedia page to end up in the philosophy page that's amazing no. that's where they all dead end i think now uh, you want to do titles we have a ton of amazing ones what was the one that Marco picked last week? Like, we, he was totally not going to pick it on the air, but then I saw the episode. C-level executives. Yeah, you, could you not resist that or what? It, it was just so, it, it, your joke was so bad, and, and it, it was just like, it, there weren't any other that were really awesome, and that one ended up being really awesome because... I, I think you just wanted to put in my explanation in the, in the after show. Well, I, I, actually, I decided to put that in before I decided to, t- to name it that, but, uh, but it, it was just, it was so funny... Because you thought it was so funny, and and your your enthusiasm for it made it funnier. It actually is funny. That's the secret. <laughs> now here's the thing about it. the thing about it is that actual like the letter C hyphen level looks awful. It's it's just terrible. It's one of those terrible business phrases like sunsetting or you know the C level executives it is just terrible in all the ways that made up jargon is terrible. But when you change it to C level, it's like. Oh, yeah, now we're on to something. Who doesn't love the C? C-level executives. It sounds interesting and classy and pure, and it is not like C-level, you know. John, are you really f***ing trying to sell this joke still? It's not really a joke. I'm just saying it's how it's a nice, it's a much nicer phrase than C-level. The joke is, like, if you want to find it in there, is, like, how awful C-level is with the letter C as compared to the SEA. But anyway, you know, Marco came around on his own. C-level executives. (laughs) crickets did you hear the after show from last week i know you don't usually listen to the posted one john but well, i don't listen to the posted one i listen to every single posted episode what are you talking about oh i thought you didn't li- I, I listen never... to every podcast i'm on always the posted version every single oh one. i didn't know i did uh, not you, realize. you had been a faithful hypercritical listener you would know that but you know whatever no i <laughs> oh, oh, oh now you're just playing dirty i was a very faithful yeah you didn't you didn't hear that one offhanded comment i made in the umpteen hours of hypercritical okay. audio over the course of two thank years thank you yeah. sir apology yeah, accepted it. all right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i i do i always listen to it because like it you know it's not 
so you can hear where how, how terrible I am and say, oh, I'll try not to do that again, and then I do it again next week. But if you repeat that over two years, you do it less.